gods of the theater, smile on us. You who sit up there, stern in judgment, smile on us. You who look down on actors, and who doesn't, bless this yearly festival and smile on us. Welcome to episode three. You are listening to Thespis in the Green Room. We are your hosts, Bruce and Melanie. Hello. Hello. Today we'll talk about the various types of theaters, amateur versus professional, and nonprofit versus commercial. It can be kind of a complex topic, but hopefully we can kiss it. What are we doing to it? You know, the, the kiss principle. Something my dad always said. Keep it simple. St- Don't finish uh, that sentence. All right. All right. That's not. Uh, before we jump in, though, let's recap on our last episode's topic, the play that goes wrong. The farce came to the Peace Center in Greenville last week, early on in its U.S. national tour. And now we've both seen it. Yes. Graham Rooney, who plays Trevor in the West End production of the show, prepped us well in his chat last week. It was indeed hilarious. <laughs> I laughed out loud many a time. Mm. I will say it is a specific type of humor, very slapsticky, mm-hmm. if I can use that made-up word. It doesn't always appeal to everyone, but I certainly could relate to all the stage mishaps. It's like every actor's nightmare coming true. I'd tell you all about them, but then I'd be spoiling the show. Mm. Technically, though, again, it's it's just it's quite a feat, um, quite an incredible production. Definitely, just a, a night out to forget your troubles and just laugh. Absolutely. Doesn't matter if you're right or left wing. We love this whole disclosure. Disclosure, full disclosure, full disclosure. Melanie, as we've mentioned before, we have a lot of theater in the upstate of South Carolina. We certainly do. And with having a lot, there comes a tremendous range of levels. I think the first type of theater that most people think about are are your school plays or musicals. Yes. And school productions are a great place to start. It's in those school years where people often get their first experience of theater. Mm -hmm. Whether that's performing in the school play or going to see it. It's often free or at least low cost. Students might get class credit, and they might know people involved in the show. Yeah, which makes it very accessible. And having a friend in the show always makes going to see a production that much more fun. Exactly. We call this level of theater educational Mm. theater. And educational theater also extends to colleges and universities. Right. Now, what about children's theater? Hmm. I would say children's theater or youth theater that is performed by the students could straddle the educational theater and the community theater categories. Okay. Often those organizations incorporate children from the whole community as opposed to just one school or one school district. Yeah, there are also settings where the kids are being taught all the elements of theater from the technical aspects right through to the performance. Yes, making them fantastic training mm-hmm. grounds. Next is community theater geared toward adults. The upstate is currently exploding with community theaters, many in their infancy and some that have been around for decades. Indeed. And as the upstate continues its incredible growth spurt, I mean, it's ridiculous how fast we're growing. (laughs) These various companies will evolve and find their place in the markets and their own niche and demographic, if they haven't already. Sure. As the term community theater suggests, it's the theater made up of people from the community. Often all volunteers who just have a love of the theater and who want to present a story. If the theater is lucky enough to have a strong community support, the theater may be able to sustain some actual employees to help shepherd that organization and keep it on a you know particular pathway. Yeah. 
And that leads us on to professional theater. Professional theater can mean many different things. There is a lot of gray area there in is. there. <laughs> and I can attest from my days as a performance rights licensing agent at Samuel French, this classification means different things to different people. It does. Quite often, though, a community theater may have professional elements and still be considered community theater. They, they might have a paid administrative staff, management staff, you know, that type of thing. This is not to say that one is better than the other or should be valued no. over another. Right. And a lot of performers move between the two categories frequently. Absolutely. And sometimes the shows are good and sometimes the shows are not so good. Right. And the professional or non-professional status may not have anything to do with the quality of that final product. That is also true. It's very subjective anyway. I mean, just read multiple reviews from the same production. Mm. You will see a different perspective pointing out different strengths and weaknesses in the exact same performance. True. And sometimes theater companies will mix it up. They will have some volunteers in the chorus or in smaller roles. And for some of the featured characters, they will pay professionals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they will pay everyone, including the backstage crew, a little bit of something. Right. And sometimes <laughs> some of the leads will be union actors and the supporting actors are non-union. And sometimes everyone is union, <laughs> including right. the backstage crew. Now, union, that's a whole other subject. It is, and it too is a tiered system. The Actors Union is called Actors' Equity Association. It covers actors and stage managers. Like other unions, it was formed to safeguard actors and stage managers, their working conditions and, and pay rates. To be part of the union, you need to pay fees and meet certain criteria. That criteria has to do with how much time the actor has spent working in professional theaters approved by the union. Right. Once the actor or stage manager has spent enough time working with those companies, they qualify for union membership. And it's a similar process for the backstage crew and their union, IATSE, or International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Because working with union-approved productions is vetted to meet certain standards and best practices, actors and stage managers in the union are generally considered to be seasoned professionals. But again, it doesn't mean that non-union actors are less talented. Right. No, it really has nothing to do with talent. Or if they haven't even worked professionally, it just means that they haven't met the criteria to be in the union or they choose not to. Yes, joining the union is an option once an actor meets the requirements. Some choose not to join. Now, that can restrict where they work and what shows they do. Or even if they get an audition. But it really depends on the region the actor lives and works in and the theater market in that particular area. Where we are in the upstate of South Carolina, there are a couple of theater companies that hire union actors to be leads in their shows, but not too many. But it's worth noting, hiring union actors is very expensive for the theater company. Yes, there are minimum pay rates and mm -hmm. other fees that the theater company will have to contribute. So it's not something the typical community theater can afford to do. And there needs to be a place in the local market for actors at all levels, from amateurs to professionals. Exactly. Saddle up the horse without delay. Ship ahoy, we sail at break of day. Ours 
question, ours not to reason, ours to Then you have places like the Peace Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and their Broadway series. The Peace Center is what the industry calls a roadhouse, a venue where producing companies send their productions on tour. The Broadway series is the perfect example. Those are all national touring companies. Most are out of New York and are replica productions of their Broadway counterparts, and often produced by the same producers and production companies that delivered the Broadway show. And their companies consist almost always of a union cast and crew. Other places you might find full cast and crew of professional union talent are at your major regional theaters, Mm -hmm. such as Lort Theaters. Mm -hmm. Lort stands for League of Resident Theaters. Again, certain criteria has to be met in order to obtain Lort status. The Alliance Theater in Atlanta, that's a Lort Theater. It is. There are about 72 Lort Theaters across the U.S., and sometimes shows are developed at a Lort Theater and find their way to Broadway. And of course, Broadway is 100% professional and union. Naturally. So that's it. Soup to nuts from school and children's theater to the various circles of community and professional theaters all the way to Broadway. There's no business like show business like no business I know. How you were accusing half the night. So what's the deal with nonprofit theater versus commercial theater? The easiest way to delineate from the two is that nonprofit theater or subsidized theater, as it's often called in the UK, uses its proceeds to further the organization and its mission. While in for profit theater or commercial theater, proceeds are paid back to the investors who made that initial investment. Mm-hmm. Nonprofit theaters also do not survive on ticket sales alone. They rely on grants, show sponsorships, donations, they have fundraisers, all sorts of things to cover those operating costs. Producing shows and running a theater at any level takes a lot of money. It do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a testament to the communities that get behind their local arts organizations with financial contributions and attendance at shows. Most theater companies from community to lower-level regional theaters we mentioned are registered 5013C nonprofit companies. But that is not to say that they aren't or can't be financially successful. Right. It just means that any, quote, profit they make, or surplus, as it's called in the nonprofit world, is folded back into the organization. That's right. So that means at the end of the year, if there is some extra cash at the end of the fiscal year, the organization can use that to buy new equipment or a new soundboard or what have you. Or give the administrative staff a raise. (laughs) That's always welcome. Hardly seen, (laughs) but always welcome. (laughs) Or they could just plan for some more expensive and extravagant productions next year. Yes, and that works too, and that's usually what happens. I never made money from music. I never made nothing but fun. In the commercial theater sector, if there is any profit from the production, the money is returned to the investors. And then once their initial investment is covered, they get dividends. However, to get to the point of paying out dividends is extremely rare Mm. in the world of theater. It is. It is always a big celebration if a show recoups their initial investment. It doesn't happen very often. Commercial productions also typically run open-ended, keeping the production alive as long as there is demand. As long as people want to see it, then they'll keep it running. Where nonprofit entities typically, they plan a season of many productions, each with a, a limited run. 
Yes, and commercial theater is most often an individual production or show, whereas theater companies producing seasons of shows are usually the non-profits. Mm-hmm. And Broadway, Chicago, the West End, Toronto, and other large cities are typically where you see those commercial productions. And Broadway productions and their big city counterparts are the most expensive shows to produce. Mm. In most cases, everything is is big and bold with, with lots of tech, costumes, and of course, everyone is paid union scale. And because recouping hardly ever happens on Broadway, investors don't usually pitch in with an expectation of a huge payout. Most investors contribute for the same reasons patrons donate to their local nonprofit theaters – They want to see the production happen. They want to feel they helped create something, theater, art. And if they're lucky, maybe a legacy. For sure, nobody is going into the theater business thinking they're going to get rich. Mm -mm, (laughs) Nope. Not from the wardrobe crew to the financial angel. Getting rich off theater is more far-fetched than winning the lottery. But alas, we muddle through. We do. (laughs) We do it because it's a calling, a love. Or a sick addiction and codependent relationship. That too. <laughs> I'm packing them in from summer to fall. Come and I'm playing a half-empty hall. Well, you said it all. That's the showbiz. It's so we hope this gives you a good overview of the various kinds of companies and productions available and how they work. If you have any questions or additions to the conversation, find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ThespisG. We'd love to hear from you. Extra! Extra! Hey, look at the headline! Historical news is being made! Extra! Extra! And now for the headlines for the week of October 7th, 2018. Broadway's first all-female design team has been brought together for this fall's world premiere, of the lifespan of a fact. Finally. An experimental revival of Rodgers and Hammerstein's 1943 classic Oklahoma, now playing at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, is wowing critics with its unique galley-style staging, diverse cast, and the serving of cornbread and chili at intermission. Check out the reviews for more detail. <laughs> My kind of show. I know, I'm hungry just thinking about it. Andrew Lloyd Webber's record-breaking award-winning musical Phantom of the Opera announced it will launch a world tour in 2019 that includes stops in Manila and Singapore. Get your tickets, Bruce. (laughs) The PBS show Great Performances has announced the upcoming Broadway's Best series, scheduled to air Fridays in November, Tony-nominated musical Un American in Paris, the 2015 UK broadcast of The Sound of Music, the documentary John Leguizamo's Road to Broadway, and the documentary Harold Prince, A Director's Life, will be featured. Check your local listings. The highly anticipated musical King Kong debuted on Broadway this month and features a 2,000-pound, 20-foot-high silverback gorilla. That's a really big marionette. It sure is. Top earners in the Broadway box office for this past week are Hamilton with $3.24 million, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at $2 million, Disney's Lion King with $1.99 million, almost coming up to that $2 million mark, Springsteen on Broadway at $1.92 million, and Frozen rounding out the top five at $1.56 million. Another show in Philly, Boston, or Baltimore. A chance for stagecoach to say hello. Another opening of another show. 
now playing and show openings for the Upstate of South Carolina for the week of October 7th, 2018. Foothills Playhouse in Easley continues its run of Godspell this week through October 14th. Opening this week, Warehouse Theater in Greenville opens Sweat on Friday, October 12th and runs through Sunday, October 28th. Electric City Playhouse in Anderson opens Night Watch on Friday, October 12th and it plays through October 21st. Market Theater in Anderson presents The Adams Family October 12th through the 28th. Yance Theater Company in Fountain Inn presents Disney's Little Mermaid from Friday, October 12th through October 28th. Greenwood Little Theater opens Our Town on Thursday, October 11th and runs through Sunday the 14th. Abbeville Opera House opens Gilligan's Island on Friday, October 12th and runs through Saturday, October 20th. The Logos Theater in Taylor's presents An Evening with C.S. Lewis on Friday, October 12th and Saturday, October 13. South Carolina Children's Theater in Greenville offers Click Clack Boo on Saturdays this month on October 13th, 20th, and 27th. On the college and university scene, Theater Converse at Converse College opened A Servant of Two Masters Wednesday, October 10th and runs through Friday, October 12th. Furman University's Theater opened Lobby Hero on Wednesday, October 10th and runs through October 21st. And follow. Hello there, theater people. We hope you are enjoying spending time in the green room. Want to stay updated? Like and follow Thespis in the Green Room on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Thespis G. That's at sign Thespis G. T H E S P I S G. Millions of Hades, have you heard the news? Kevin. And during October, we want to hear from you on social media. What do you think are the best Halloween shows to see this time of year? Rocky Horror? Sweeney Todd? Something from Agatha Christie? We're going to have a look at some of the favorites on our Halloween episode, so tell us what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at ThespisG. Want to support Thespis in the Green Room? If you like what you're hearing and want to encourage us to continue conversations in the Green Room, you can become a patron of the show, visit our Patreon page. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Thespis G. And donate today. No amount is too small, and every little bit helps. Patrons will receive special content and audio extras through our Patreon page. Check it out at patreon.com slash Thespis G. Good night and thank you, whoever. We are grateful you found her a spot on the sound radio. We'll think of you every time she... Special thanks to Dick Stevens of Stevens Magic and Fun. He can be found on Facebook at Stevens Magic and Fun. Thespis would like to extend a big thank you to our fellow podcasters, Teddy and the Baseman, for their help and guidance. Listeners can find Teddy and the Baseman at teddyandthebaseman.podbean.com or through podcast players, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. The creators of this podcast are not licensed or certified legal or financial professionals. This podcast does not constitute legal or financial advice. Thespis in the Green Room is a Courageous Crossings production. Music used in this podcast is licensed by ASCAP and BMI. What comes next? You've been free.
Well, this has been fun as usual. That's it for us. Bye. Bye now. <laughs> Thanks for